Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report. We're finished in the third round of the FA Cup. Forest 2, Blackpool 2 as the Reds came from two goals down at the City ground against League 1 Blackpool to force a replay at Bloomfield Road. Not the scripts that I think many of us would have predicted the game to follow with Forest going two goals down within the opening 30 minutes. But a fight back from the Reds meant that they did secure a draw and with it a replay. Perhaps on another day, Boris could have won the game, but we will go into that into a bit more detail as we go through this match report. It's Stephen here and I've got Adam with me. We'll start, Adam, with the Forest team news. So four changes made from the team that played Manchester United. And as a result, the, the team still looked pretty strong. So... Sticking with the 4-2-3-1, Nuno went with Blackademos in goal instead of Turner. A back four of Montiel, Worrell, Murillo and Toffolo. Yates and Danilo in midfield. Hudson-Odoi, Gibbs-White and Dominguez in front of them with Chris Wood up top. And players dropping out, Moussa Carte and Ola Aina because of AFCON. And Anthony Langer not involved due to the injury that we heard about this week. On the bench, Matt Turner and then Nuno Tavares, Mangala, Williams, McKenna, Omabamadeli, Aguilera, Osong and the youngster Joe Gardner. So a few changes, Adam, but on the whole, that looked like a, a strong enough team from Forest today and one that should have won the game on paper. Yeah, I don't think it'd be far off what we'll see in the Premier League, really. Now with the AFCONs, obviously near Carte wasn't available to us today for being out with Senegal. So Joe stepped in um, and you're looking at the bench and you're thinking it's Amabanadale and McKenna as the sort of backup centre arse. Didn't see Felipe on the bench. I didn't know you read him out there either. So mm. it's um, it seems like it may be a spot that's open, opened up that second centre half spot. Bolly wasn't on the bench, but obviously Bolly's in AFCON as well. So we've kind of got that 
difficulty of that centre-half spot. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, I, I looked at the team and thought, other than maybe Worrell, but because of AFCON, Worrell was kind of enforced. Other than maybe Worrell, I think it's probably our strongest side. So yeah, it's... I think quick initial thoughts on the game. It's just a very disappointing one. And Nuno obviously has got Joe Gardner and um, a song on the bench that he probably think, you know, we'll be three, four in the up and I can bring them on and give them a bit of game time with the first team. But certainly it's not how it planned out. No. And I think from Forrest's point of view, the certainly that first half has cost them and the goals that they gave away, but also a lack of clinical finishing really has prevented them from winning the game because they, they had four or five good opportunities on top of the goals that they did score, four or five opportunities that they didn't take. And yes, on another day, Forrest probably win this 4-2 and, and they're through and it's, uh, despite the defensive fragilities, a comfortable result. But wasn't to be, 2-2 it finished and... In the opening stages of the game, Forrest had a lot of the ball. Blackpool set up with a 4-5-1, looked to make life difficult for Forrest, not give them much space to play in. And you could see Forrest were struggling. They were ponderous and they were slow in possession. Passes were going astray and it, it was a bit disjointed. But Forrest did end up creating a chance and it was about 22 minutes in. Gibbs White chipping the ball to Chris Wood from the right-hand side, Woods in the box, he controls it, brings the ball down, but puts the ball over the bar. And then very soon after that, Gibbs White has a shot, which is curled at the keeper. It's a reasonable save for the keeper to make. And I think it was Montiel who'd set that up with a, a pass in from the right-hand flank. So the first two chances go Forrest's way, but then soon after that, Adam, Forrest are behind. Always seems to be the way. You don't take your chances at one end. And then you get punished at the other. And this first goal, I'll get you to talk us through it in a bit more detail, but it basically comes Dembele hoisting a ball into the box from the right-hand side. Montiel attempts to clear with a header, but it only goes as far as the penalty spot. And in comes former Forest player Jordan Gabriel with a diving header into the back of the net and Blackpool are in front. Yeah, I mean, Dembele, I just want to point him out and talk about him because Dembele, I thought, was excellent today. Um, obviously, we've known a lot about him for a lot of years because he broke through at 16. So feels like he's been around for ages, but he's only 20. Um, I thought he was excellent today. But yeah, I mean, he puts the ball up to the back post. And the thing is, is that Montiel, what he does is is, is very confusing. And like you mentioned to me before, that some people were saying that Blackamidos might be at fault for this. The goalkeeper can't come for this because... The ball has come to the back post. Montiel, really, all he has to do, he's got he's got a man behind, he's got CJ Hamilton behind him. All he has to do is flick it out for a corner. You don't want to give away a corner, do you? But, you know, you, sometimes it needs mush, you flick it out for a corner. He heads it back into the danger zone. He, he actually, It was actually a really good assist for, for Montiel there because he flicks it back in towards the penalty spot. And the two players around Jordan Gabriel, there's not really a lot they can do because, I mean, for the, they, they wouldn't think that their player is going to flick it back into the danger zone. So puts it back in and Gabriel takes it really well. Doesn't celebrate um, as a mark of respect. Obviously, he's a Forest fan. He's from Notts. So uh, came for our academy. So he's clearly got a lot of respect for the club still and thought he played really well today, to be fair. Um, but yeah, we can't be doing that. I and mean, you've got a World Cup winning fullback who's 
naive enough to think that I could head the ball back into the, you know, the danger zone. And that's, that's better than heading it, flicking it out for a corner. So it's a big mistake and it's a incredibly avoidable mistake by Montiel. And then within two minutes, Blackpool have doubled their lead again. I think some suspect defending from Forrest here and it's Albie Morgan who produces the final finish, but it's, CJ Hamilton, he crosses it from the right-hand side. It comes all the way across goal. It's a low, fizzing ball across. And Morgan meets it at the back post. He knocks it in off the near post and it goes in. Past the diving, Vlacodimos. The Forest players here, they looked unsure of where they were positioned and who they were supposed to be picking up. And it creates this, this big gap in the middle of the penalty area. You've got... Montiel, I think, who's got, he doesn't know a player's behind him. And that player is Morgan, and he's the one who puts the ball in the net. But again, Adam, it just seemed like poor defending and an avoidable goal from Forrest's point of view. Yeah, so we've seen Murillo step out from defence a lot, and he's really good at it. You know, he, he, he takes sort of 10 yards ahead of him when he gets the ball and he floats a, a crossfield pass, or he, um, he, he goes through the middle, or in Crystal Palace's uh, respect, he takes on a Maradona-esque run, trying to take on every player and then score at the end of it. So, look, we know that Murillo does that, and it's part of his game, and it's part of why a lot of Forest fans love Murillo. But he steps out, and the problem we've got then is when he steps out, Harry Toffolo is a further forward himself. Blackpool get the ball. Once the ball is turned over, Worrell goes to the left to cover the player with the ball, which I think was CJ Hamilton putting the ball in. Worrell comes across. Now, Murillo comes back, but when he comes back, he sort of tries to double up on Hamilton. Toffolo comes back and fills in for where Murillo should be at left centre-back, which means there's a massive gaping hole at right centre-back where Worrell should have been. Now, for me, Worrell... Worrell shouldn't have been out there. He shouldn't have been in a position being stood up by the winger because we know he can't do it. He's not. He's never been able to do that. I think Joe himself would probably admit that, that he, he doesn't want to be against the pacey winger. It's not his game. And I can talk about it in, when we talk about the second half, but what we did better in the second half was Danilo or Yates would fill in the gaps. So if either the fullbacks went forward or the centre-backs came out with possession, Yates or Danilo would fill in the gap. We didn't do it here, which meant that Worrell was out wide. Hamilton puts the ball across. There's absolutely no one there other than Montiel. Montiel, to his credit, or I say credit, I don't really credit, but Montiel, to be fair to him, can't get to the ball when it's put across, but he doesn't know there's a man behind him. Man behind him strokes it home for a you know easy finish. Now, for me, you've two or three culprits for that goal, but instead of pointing the finger at one person, we just need to say that the whole left side of the field just weren't on, they weren't on the same wavelength there. Joe shouldn't shouldn't be the one coming out to cover. Maybe he feels like he has to. Uh, I think one of my big criticisms of Joe Worrell sometimes is that because he's a Forest fan, he wants to be the hero and he wants to play the superstar play. He wants to get out there, stop the corner, you know, be the be, be the big defender. And unfortunately, you can't always do that. And that that bit is a little bit there. So frustrating, you know, goals goals conceded that we haven't conceded all all we haven't conceded goals like this all year. So it's um, I don't mean twenty twenty four either. Uh, I mean, the season. Because if I meant all year, that would have been a <laughs> joke, wouldn't it, to yeah. say that. But um, no, look, it's a poor cold to concede. And again, it's something that as a Premier League side, we shouldn't be doing to anyone, never mind League One Blackpool. Boris did rally after the 
after going 2-0 down, which is the least you would expect, in fairness. Dominguez had a shot from distance that was saved by Blackpool goalkeeper Grimshaw. A bit more urgency in Forrest's play at this point. And then 38 minutes, Forrest had a throw-in down the right-hand side, goes into Morgan Gibbs-White, he feeds it to Wood, who plays it wide for Montiel. Montiel crosses from that right flank, and it's Dominguez on the penalty spot with a great header low into the far corner. 2-1 and a, a nice finish. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Montiel highlighting again what he's really good at. He, you know, he, he does float a good cross in and floats across to Dominguez, and Dominguez is proving to be something that when, when you look at a 5'8 midfielder, you don't think that he's really good in the air, but that's his second header that he scored of the season. He's actually proving to be quite good in the air, but... Yeah. He arrived late. Good goal. I mean, there's there's not too much to say, but I think it was something that we desperately needed at that time, especially. Yeah, I think at 2-0 at half-time, it would have seemed a bigger task to try and come back into it. But to get that goal back before the break, I think, was a big help. And it gave the crowd a bit of something as well to get going because I think the atmosphere was flat, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, the thing is with cup games... Um, it, it's always a weirder atmosphere anyway. It always has been over the years because you get um, you get a mix of season ticket holders and then people that unfortunately don't get to come to as many games, especially for the price of success. So it's always a bit of a stranger atmosphere. You know, I'm sat there today in my normal seat looking around. So I don't know anyone sat around me. So, um, yeah, it, it certainly was a, a very flat atmosphere and the Blackpool fans reminded us of that as well. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. For the 23-24 season, 1865 is sponsored by Green King Sports, where football is more than a game. Their venues are showing every televised forest fixture over the course of the season, so instead of turning to the internet for a dodgy stream, get your mates together and get down to your local Green King pub and get closer to the action. They've launched the Green King Sports Instagram page, which will be home to fan content, deals and competitions throughout the season. They've already given away Champions League final tickets and signed shirts, so you don't want to miss out. Drop them a follow and you won't just be the first to know about all of this. You'll be helping us here at 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. The 1865 Match Report. At halftime, Forrest made a change. It was Nuno Tavares coming on for Harry Toffolo. Did you see that as a a tactical thing, just to get more pace into the team down that left flank? Or perhaps had Toffolo done something particularly wrong with one of the goals? That's why he was hauled off. What was your view on that? Uh, I mean, the only thing I could think that Toffolo would have done wrong is the second goal, maybe, um, because the problem came from the left side. Maybe he takes the blame for it. I, I think that would have been harsh, but... It seemed to me that the plan was, and it, it sort of happened in the first five or ten minutes like this. Nuno's probably set this up thinking, look, Blackpool, realistically, they're going to sit in, right? They're a League One side, come to a Premier League side, they're winning 2-1, they're going to sit in, as we'd expect them to. 
So the idea was to bring on Tavares, someone that is very, you know, good going forward. That's his, that's the better part of his game. And then we'll sit Danilo as a bit of a sitting six with the two centre-halves. So what happened in the second half was we would always have three people back and it was usually Danilo sat in between Worrell and um, Worrell and Murillo. And then um, Montiel and Tavares would get forward and provide that bit more width for them, a bit more of an attacking threat. Um, sometimes it was Montiel sat in and Danilo would get forward. But we, it always worked out that we were playing four at the back, maybe out of possession, but in possession, we were kind of playing more of a three with the wing backs. Um, it was quite a tactically fluid system and it, it, it looked quite pleasing on the eye at times. Um, but yeah, I think Tavares, I don't, I certainly don't rate his defensive ability, but I think going forward, he did give us a different element that Toffolo wasn't first half. Yeah, he was very much involved in a lot of the moves that were coming down that left-hand side and he was linking up well with Callum Hudson-Odoi and had a bit more, in terms of attack-wise, was offering a bit more than than Toffolo. But yeah, like you, I'm not too pleased to see him when he's going back towards his own goal and having to defend. It's a little bit ropey and I think him and Murillo there were, were not exactly solid at times in that second half down that left channel. So Forrest... We're on the front foot more in the second half. A couple of chances. Uh, Dominguez had a header. It was Hudson-Odoi down the left-hand side. He fired the ball in. Dominguez diving in with a header, but it more comes off the top of his head and goes flying into the stand, and that was an opportunity. Perhaps a difficult one, but an opportunity missed. And then the equaliser, and it was Morgan Gibbs-White. Well, it started with Nuno, actually. Nuno Tavares carrying the ball forward. Ball goes to Callum Hudson-Odoi. He lays it to the edge of the box for Morgan Gibbs-White and he produces a strike into the top corner. It's a brilliant finish. He hammers it top corner. Because at first I thought, has it taken a deflection on the way through? But no, it's a clean strike right into the top corner of the goal. A nice move and finish. And that's two goals in as many games for Gibbs-White. So it's good to see him finding his shooting boots. Yeah, I mean, I firmly believe that Gibbs White is our best player. Um, I know he's not the best start to the season, but I do think he's our best player. And I think the thing is about this game is that just before half time, Chris Ward had an absolute, you know, a chance that you think he puts away in the form that he's in. And I think if we go in 2 2 at half time, it feels different second half because the, the start of the second half, it, it felt as if we, we need to get this goal sooner rather than later because we need time to get the third. You know, the, the the opinion around us, as it should be, was never, oh, let's get a goal and that, that'd be enough. It was always, we need two goals. So, yeah, yeah th- there was there was more of a sense of relief around the ground. And even Gibbs-White, if you watch the goal back, he's just scored this absolute worldie. He doesn't really celebrate <laughs> because he's... I think that says a lot about his character in a positive way, though, is that he looks at that and goes, right, well, that's only 2-2. Two, two. You know, we still need another goal. We still need to win the game. But no, absolute worldie. And, you know, I think Hudson-Odoi was... I think he was really good on the day, albeit frustrated. But I think he, I think he was really good on the day. It's nice to see him get an assist as well. And I think that was it. There was a, a feeling that once this goal went in at this time, that Forrest could go on and get the third and, and try and win the game. And they had a couple of opportunities to do it. There was a corner that went right through the six-yard box. Nobody managed to get on the end of it. I think it was Gibbs-White dangerous in swinging ball. And then... A minute later, Danilo from the right flank, an in-swinging cross. 
Yates gets his head onto it for about seven yards out. It's well saved by Grimshaw, but again, I think it's quite close to the keeper, which gives him a chance of making the save. And either side of him, and it's a goal, because the connection from Yates, you can't ask for much more, really, other than the direction. I think that's a problem that Yates has had for a few years, though, isn't it? Even since we're in the championship, that, yeah. you know, he struggles with, with those. He struggled at one point to put him on target. And then he developed the game a little bit more that he gets them on target now, but they seem to go straight at the goalkeeper. So in two or three years time, I'm expecting 10, 15 goals a season from yeah. Yates arriving late with headers. But again, another chance missed for Forrest in this game. And you mentioned the Chris Wood one at the end of the first half. So you could say there that's two big opportunities gone begging. In the 81st minute, Forrest made a second change and it was Yates who came off for Nico Williams. But again, Nuno and Hudson-Odoi at this point combining well down the left and it was Nuno burst into the box and fired over. Could he have squared that one? It felt like the, there was an opportunity. Um I, I don't think so, no. So I think with with that Nuno one, I I, I just want to talk about the hudson Doy pass because it was brilliant. Just just literally just scoops it over the top. Um, for Nuno, it's hard because he's he's a player that scored, what, eight, nine goals for Marseille last season. Um, definitely feels confident in front of goal. It's sat out beautifully for him. Um, Chris Wood was in the middle, but he seemed to only peel off his defender as the ball was struck by Nuno. So I think Nuno probably gave it a little glance, saw that Chris Wood had a player with him and thought, I'm just going to go for it. Uh, I don't really know why he didn't go across the goalkeeper because the goalkeeper was stood at the near post. So going near post was a bit of a strange one, but it wasn't it, it was far away. Um, and it shows that at least he's got a little bit of confidence in front of goal and, you know, maybe he should do better, but, you know, he's not, he's not played any football really, has he, for a few months. It's going to no. take him a bit of time and, you know, that's always part of it as well. But, yeah, look, I mean, it's a catalogue of chances that we could bring up. That's the thing, isn't it? We can't even get through all of the chances because there was that many in the second yeah. half. And you have, a, you have a game where we've had 17 shots to their three and they've had two on target and scored two goals. Uh, they were clinical with their chances. We weren't with ours. Yeah, a couple of those chances you mentioned. hudson Adoy had a shot late on straight at the keeper. And then in injury time, he's released down the left-hand side again. He, I think he goes for goal with this one, but it... It's between the goal and between sort of the, the six-yard box. Chris Wood's coming in, but misses it by inches and just can't quite get the the touch on it to, to knock the ball into the net. And again, Forrest really close to finding a goal that that could have taken them through. Well, the first thing we said about that one uh, when with Hudson Adoy was uh, he, he, he's really got to he had, he had, he had enough time to just cut in slightly onto his right and just curl it into that far corner. I think he got caught in two minds because when he gets in that position, he sort of, he had a quick glance, saw Wood and it's it's one of them really awkward ones where you don't know whether you go for a shot or you try and play it to the far post and in the end he doesn't either really. Mm. Plays it into that awkward spot between between the two and the way he's played in that game, I'll be honest with you, I probably wouldn't have wanted that to fall to anyone else other than hudson Adoy because... The way he was playing, he was just, I said a couple of times, he just needs a goal now. Like he's, he's yeah. got his assist, he's played well overall and you know, he needs a goal. But it's just a frustrating one because 92nd minute he scores that and we get away with one, don't we? But, you know, not to be unfortunately, story of the day really. Yep. And 
in the end, the game finished 2-2, which means a replay at Bloomfield Road. On Radio Nottingham, they said that's going to be in 10 days' time, which would make it sort of Tuesday, 17th of January, roughly around that time. And the draw for the fourth round takes place on Monday, so perhaps we'll know exactly when the third round replays are once that has taken place. But a replay it is for Forrest, and suddenly a quiet January looks a little bit busier now with this game in there. I think the key takeaway from this match is that Forrest... We're not good enough for long enough to get something from the game, to get a win from the game, rather. And the, the poor defending and the lack of clinical finishing when, when it mattered has cost them today. And it's, it's a frustrating one, especially when it comes against a team who are two divisions below us. Now, is that performance today a concern, Adam, or is that something you can just put it down to a bit of a bad day? Not too much damage done because we've got a replay out of it. And we just go again at Bloomfield Road. No, look, I'm I'm not concerned about it really. I think I, the problem is with these games that they are one offs, aren't they? I mean, how many times over the years? Look, I, I don't know about you. I love the FA Cup. You know, it's, I think it's magical. I think that seeing lower league teams come to Premier League grounds and get scalps, I think it's great. And at one point, we were that team, weren't we? You know, when we were towards the bottom of the Championship, we play a Premier League side, and it's a big day out, it's a big game, all that sort of stuff, and you often find that the lower league clubs just want it a little bit more and, you know, it doesn't maybe go the, you know, the, the bigger team in this respect's way. And look, let, let's not panic. I mean, look, how many days, how many games are you going to play where they have three shots to score two goals? How many games are you yeah. going to have where you have 17 shots to score two goals? Like it's, I'm not saying that Blackpool didn't deserve the replay today because I think they thoroughly did. I think they took the chance as well. I think that they were organised. I think that they showed hard determination, grit. But you've got to realise that these clubs come in thinking, we've got a free hit today. You know, we don't expect anything. The pressure's all on them. You know, a Premier League match doesn't go the way that today's game does. So, no, I'm not concerned in the slightest. I think that, I mean, look, Man City won the, the treble last year, right? And they lost to relegated Southampton in the Carabao Cup. You know, there's no reason to panic. There's no reason to think, oh, anything's going to change our league form. I still expect us to go to Brentford and win. And I said that the other day, and I still expect that to happen. And I think we've got to go to Bloomfield Roll Road, sorry, and be professional. Go there, be the better team. If we play like we did second half, I don't think we're brilliant second half by any stretch, by the way, but if we play like we did second half against Blackpool away, then we will win the game because they won't handle us like that for 90 minutes. So... I think now we've just got to focus on the next game. You've always got to do that. Focus on Brentford. We've got a week off next weekend. So just focus on Brentford. Uh, if we play Blackpool before, which it sounds like we will, play Blackpool, get that job done, and then go and beat Brentford. That's all we can do. An argument to take from today is that Nuno's probably learned a lot more about the team after today's game than he did from the wins against Newcastle and Man United. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you know, Nicky Lauda said all those years ago, didn't he? You, you learn more from defeats than you do from victories. And we didn't lose today, but he would have learned a lot. I think one thing that he has learned, and one thing that I think a lot of Forest fans would agree with, is that we're crying out for a bit of depth out wide. You know, we've only got Hudson Adoy and Elanga as your natural wingers. We're trying to play Dominguez out there. And I don't think Dominguez was bad today, don't get me wrong, but it's not a left winger, is he? 
you know, he's not, it's not, it's not his natural position. And, you know, I, I like Dominguez a lot and I feel like maybe he's just a really talented footballer they're trying to squeeze in, but Sangare is not in the midfield at the minute. So you don't have to worry about that. Play Dominguez in midfield. And I think we need to probably sign a left winger. Uh, and if you want a name, Fabio Carvalho from Liverpool on loan, that's, that's where I'd be looking. And just another word quickly for Joe Worrell. There's been speculation over his future and reports suggesting that the club might be looking to move him on and Nuno will make him available for transfer. But he was in the team today. And what was your view on his performance and, and how he got on? Um, look, I don't think he had his best game today. Um, I think the I think the, the, the first goal is, is nothing on him at all whatsoever. The second goal... Maybe you could spread the blame between Warrell, Murillo and Toffolo in a way, but and maybe Montiel actually, but it, I don't think he's had his best game. I thought Murillo had his worst game in a forest shirt today as well, by the way. If you know, to there's, there's no agenda for me. I've always been a big Warrell supporter. I love Joe Warrell. You know, he's he's one of us, isn't he? And he goes out there every every game and he maybe wants to do what we'd do if we played for Forest. We'd want to do everything. We'd want to run for a brick wall. We'd want to block everything and make every defensive tackle, make every clearance, all that sort of stuff. And I'm not criticising him for that at all. I think I love that he does that, but it can cost us at times. And really a second goal, if he stays in position, it gets quite out by him. And I think that's one thing that I would say. So if he leaves this month, um, you know, I'd be gutted in the same way that I'd be gutted when Yates leaves and all these players that got us up and players that love the club. But I don't think consistently, I don't think he's Premier League quality. I think he's an all right squad player. He's had good individual games. That stint he had at right back was really good. And, you know, he's, like I say, he has good individual games, but I think we probably need to move on from Joe Worrell now. And when he does leave, I wish him all the best. Yep, and it will be interesting to see how that plays out over January. Obviously, Scott McKenna's future as well. There's question marks over that. He was on the bench today, but Forrest, their options are limited at centre-back with injuries and also AFCON. So, yes, it remains to be seen what role the likes of Worrell and McKenna still have to play, particularly as we are in January and the transfer window is now open. We'll leave it there then. And we will be back with you after the Blackpool replay with our match report. And we will also have a few things coming up during this little break, a few little podcast episodes coming your way. So keep an eye out for those. Thanks to Adam and thank you as well, listener, for joining us. We will be back in your podcast feed very soon. So until then, goodbye and thanks for listening. Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that you know Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.